We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, man, you guys can have a seat. Have a seat. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Emma Adams, the lead pastor here at Hope Church. I am so excited to have you in the house today. Can I just confess something to you this morning? Let's just get real. That's what we do around here at Hope Church. We just say truth. Um, The truth is I like stuff, okay? I like stuff. And one of the worst things that's ever happened to me is called Amazon Prime. Am Am I alone? Two day shipping on just about anything on the daggone planet. I see, I see people pointing. Don't be pointing, okay? It's a thing. This week, I got, I got water filters for my refrigerator and garment washing bags in two days or less. I even have a device now. And I say, hey, Alexa, what's the best mascara on the market? And she says, Emma, the best mascara on the market is Maybelline's blah, 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 for $4.99. Shall I put it in your cart for you? And I'm like, yeah, totally do that. She's like, would you like to buy now? Yes, I can tell it to buy me stuff. I don't have to type a thing. What in the world? Stuff, possessions, all of this is part of our lives and our lives in the 21st century, 22nd century. Where are we at now? What century are we in? I've watched too much Doctor Who. Uh, Life now is complicated and our culture demands this stuff. Does anybody else get excited about sales? Look, it it might not even actually be on sale, but if you tell me it's 50% off, hot diggity. Found a new store this week, was super excited uh, uh, in, in, uh, I think it's in Bridgeville, um, it's a cool shop. They got these mugs called Cause Mugs, and they help uh, every purchase of a Cause Mug uh, goes to human trafficking. So I kind of feel better about my spending um, that way, but I'm not so sure that's the answer either. So in 66 books of the Bible, the subject of money and stuff, yeah, Amazon, it doesn't say it in the Bible, we're just going to call it stuff. Stuff is on. Stuff is on is in the Bible. And on In the Bible, it is mentioned, money and possession is mentioned over 2,300 times. 2,300 times. So is God obsessed or what? Maybe. Maybe. Do you remember uh, when you uh, were a little kid, or if you have little kids, you'll recall that one of the first things that happens with your sweet, precious angel is your sweet, precious angel is playing with another child at about, I don't know, 18 months or so on, probably even sooner than that. But they learn to utter one phrase, and they'll be playing with another friend, and friend has something they want, and they snatch that thing and they say what? Mine! Mine! Mine, 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 mine. Do you guys remember the seagulls in the movie? Mine, 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 mine. Now, anytime I see a seagull, all I think of is that they're saying mine, mine. Man, We get our first glimpse of the selfish human condition very early on. Our 
early on. So is God obsessed? No. The problem is, is that we are. So God addresses this issue over and over again because selfish is the number one. Money and possessions and selfishness is the number one thing that's competing for your heart. And God is after our hearts. And if generosity, if this is what we do, then we've got to talk about what we do with the other part of our money, don't we? We've got to talk about our obsession with possession. We've got to talk about it. So last week we talked about the scarcity cycle. Here's a little review for you. The scarcity cycle happens when God supplies us with something and we consume it and then we lack and then we fear. So we consume what God supplies and then we lack, and then we fear, and then we consume. And this is called the scarcity cycle. It's kind, of, it's kind of how we get to, oh, it's never enough for me. I don't have enough. I can't do that right now. And a lot of us go into a debt cycle along with that scarcity cycle because we consume, and then we lack, and we let fear drive us to purchase things that we cannot afford, and then we go into debt. And that just compounds the whole situation, doesn't it? Can I get an Amen right? So this morning I want to share with you that the scarcity cycle actually starts in the mind and not in the wallet. It starts in your mind. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So this morning we're going to ask one question. I hope you can find the answer. I want you to ask along with me, God, am I thinking the right way? Am I thinking the right way about money? Am I thinking the right way about possessions and stuff? Am I stuck in a scarcity mindset? Or, or am I moving into generosity? We're going to look at one of the most remarkable miracles that Jesus ever, ever did. And the context is, is that Jesus, along with his disciples, have been ministering for several days. Um, and they have amassed quite a following. The Bible says there's 5,000 men. But we know that it also says there are, men, are women and children besides. So we can guess at that number that there was about 15,000 people present. That's a lot, y'all. That's a lot of folks, okay? It makes me claustrophobic just thinking about all these folks pressed up against each other, wanting to hear the message of Jesus, all of them standing there. And, and when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, it says in Mark 6, 34 through 38, it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him and they said, Yo, Jesus, <clears throat> bro, we don't know if you know this or not, but this is like remote out here. Did you know? Like we ain't in the hood no more. We in the dessert. And it ain't delicious. It's hot. And, and, and Jesus, in case you didn't know this, look, I'm good because I had a heavy breakfast. But you know, the other boys, they kind of getting like the, you know how they get, they get hangry. Jesus, um, and it's really late. So we think that you should 
send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and do what? Buy themselves something to eat. Buy themselves something to eat. We want you to send them away and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. And we, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Like Jesus for real. Yo, you know we broke, right? Jesus, we're out in the wilderness. We don't got no money. Where would we even go? The nearest town is like 900 bazillion steps away. Like we can't even get there. Jesus, what are we supposed to do? We want you to make this better. Jesus asked them a simple question. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, we have five and two fish. The first thing the disciples said to Jesus was, uh, they need to go buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus' answer was, no, you give. No, I said, you give. You give them. And then he said, what do you have in your hand? The disciples had viewed that whole situation from a scarcity mindset. We don't have enough. We couldn't even get enough. There's never enough. We don't even know if the next village would have enough. Jesus, there's just not enough. You tell them to go provide for themselves. You tell them to go buy. And Jesus says, no, no, no. No, no, no. You give them. Man, how many times have you looked at what you had and said, this isn't enough? This isn't enough. I, I don't know how to do this. But how many times have you looked at it and thought, man, I need this amount to pay my bills. And I only have this much. This isn't enough. Man, because we all know, how many of y'all, <clears throat> I don't know if you do this or not, but we, we are a part of the Dave Ramsey um, Club, and we've done all of his programming. And part of his process, Dave Ramsey's process that, that you take when you go through uh, Financial Peace University, is that you uh, save $1,000 in the savings account. Bro, that's the worst thing ever, because I'm telling you, you get $10 in that daggone account, y'all, and your refrigerator breaks, Okay. And so you're like, oh, I don't have enough. There's not enough. What can I do? Oh, my word. And then you get 20 and then something else happens. And it feels like you have a need, but there's never enough. Have you been there? Come on. One second, you're like, I got this. I got the savings account. We got my cushion now. Man, we all go through seasons where something breaks. We lose our job. We all get in those seasons but if you let fear overtake you, it will throw you back into the scarcity cycle. And there will never be enough. But Jesus, Jesus saw the issue of need from a generosity and an abundant mindset. He saw it all differently. And when you fast forward to Mark 6, 42 through 43, you see this, it says, they what, who? They all 
ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up how much? Oh, more than. More than they gave out. Twelve baskets and broken pieces of fish and bread. <clears throat> Twelve basketful of leftovers. Y'all, they had doggy bags, okay? I don't know if you like the Texas Roadhouse, um, but my kids call it the bread restaurant. They don't care about anything else on that menu but the bread, right? And a doggy bag with bread is a good doggy bag. But the disciples saw those five loaves and they said, it's not enough. It's never going to be enough. I don't have enough. But Jesus said, it's more than enough. So how do we get from not enough to more than enough? How do you in your life go from a scarcity mindset that it's never enough and it's not enough to an abundant, life-giving, generous cycle that says there's more than enough? There's this old song, my God is more than enough because he will supply my needs. He is my El Shaddai. He always looks out for me. Jehovah Jireh, he is, he is my God. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that if this was a different ethnical church, somebody would have shouted right then. Somebody would have been up. The band would have been up. Y'all need to come on up in here, up in here. So here's what the deal is. Scarcity asks this question. It asks, what can I afford? What can I afford? The disciples said, what can I afford? I don't have enough. But abundance asks, what do I have? What's in my hand? What do I have? You see, if this is who we are, people redeemed by Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, people who sinned and left the way, yet Jesus called us back and forgave us. If this is what he did, then this is what we do. And we become generous, abundant, mindset people. This is what we do. I could not believe it last week. I could not believe it last week when I came to church, I don't know if you know this, but we rent out this high school and we have a janitor that we hire from the high school staff every week that's here to make sure everything is taken care of. They're amazing. We love our janitors. We make sure that they get a little extra love and get some extra snacks on Sundays because we love our janitors. But last week I showed up and I got a message from the janitor that was here. He said, listen, I, I know that I'm not supposed to be here. But Mr. Bill, who usually is here, uh, his, his house caught fire and it's burned and they've lost everything, him and the six other people that are living in his house. And I said, what? And then my next question was, okay, I need to know how to get a hold of him because of what Jesus did for us. This is what we do. We have a fund and we're going to make sure that we have that taken care of in a heartbeat. And my next question was uh, not, do, do we have enough? My next question was, what do I have? What do I have? Well, I have social media and I have the power to share and they have a fund. 
So not only can I give out of our fund, because this is what we do, we're generous, but I can share it and help others give. And can I tell you, man, y'all showed up for Mr. Bill and we showed up. Can you give it up for the generosity that we're able to have? And many of us think, man, I don't have enough. What you really need to be asking is, what do I have that I can give away? Is there a need that I can meet? Where, God, do you need me right now? Where do you need my extra couch? Where do you need my extra things that I've been saving? Where do you need that extra right now? Where is that at, God? Because honestly, if you go on around saying, well, you know, when I get that raise at work, I'm going to give more. Lies. We covered that last week. Statistically speaking, the more you make, the less percentage you're giving. Can we recall that people who make $15,000 or less give 9.7% and people who make $300,000 or more are giving less than 3%? So no, statistically, you won't unless you change your mindset. So we have to start today with what we have. What do you have? What can you give? Jesus redefines what we can do with the little. He redefines it. And if you live with a scarcity mindset, you will be plagued with anxiety and fear your entire life. Alfie and I call it the ghetto mindset. The ghetto mindset is I will never have enough. I can't get enough. And I'm going to be all up in everybody else's business, making sure that they also don't get enough. And they're tearing down other people while they're tearing themselves apart. And this scarcity mindset will be perpetuated. But this is not what God has for you. This is not what he has for you. And I'm telling you, the Bible says so. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Can I tell you that an abundant life is not a life with abundance of stuff. An abundant life is a life marked by faithfulness and generosity over time. Everything about the nature of God is more than enough. He always supplies more than enough. It is abundance. God is abundance. Therefore, our lives as children of God ought to be marked by abundance. So why isn't it? Why? Why not? And how can we live in abundance? I've got two things for you today. If you're a note taker, you are a world changer. Take notes. For number one today. God multiplies what is blessed. What is blessed. Let's go back to Mark 6, 41. It says, and he, being the Lord Jesus, took the five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed. Other version says, he gave thanks. And break the loaves. And he gave the disciples to set before them 
and the two fishes divided he among them all. You see, the blessing of God over anything in our lives is a powerful thing. So how does that relate to your finances? Go with me a little bit on a journey, okay? Returning the tithe. Note I said returning it. Because can I tell you, everything that you have isn't yours anyway. It's a gift of God. It's God's stuff. You just get to use it. It's called stewardship. And this is what we do. We take what God gives us. We become good stewards of it. We bless it. And this is what happens. Malachi 3.10, can I remind you, says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough to store it. The tithe is not just 10% of your income. The tithe is the first 10% of your income. Why? So you can put God first. It is a reminder that God should become first and foremost in your life. When he is the first, then the rest will be in order. Guys, that's why I start my day reading the Bible and in prayer and in time in my journal because when I put him first, the rest is better. When he's first, your life is in order. Jesus said, or God said in Malachi, listen, he said, see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. I think this is a very interesting phrase, so I want to dive into it with you. You see, the floodgates of heaven, this phrase is only mentioned three times in the Old Testament. Once in Malachi, once in 2 Kings, but the first time it's mentioned, the very first time that the Israelites would have kind of picked up on, is it's mentioned at the flood of Noah. Now that's weird, I know, it doesn't connect at all. Until you realize that the floodgates of heaven, when they're opened, when it was water that came out of the floodgates of heaven, what did it cover? What does the Bible say? The whole earth. There is nothing that is untouched when God opens the floodgates of heaven. Nothing is not covered when the floodgates of heaven are open. So no part of the earth. So God chose in Malachi to illustrate for the Israelites and for us that God's way of blessing us is that no part of our life will be untouched. No part will be untouched by the blessing of God. It's how he chose to illustrate it with that same exact phrase. He says, when I find a heart that puts me first, I will open the floodgates of heaven. Now listen, he says, of heaven, not of a bank, not of the lottery. Darn it, right? Not of the stock market, not of Bitcoin. I know you're disappointed. I know, right? No, it doesn't say that. What does scripture say about heaven? Here's a little side lesson. Do you know the one thing I know about heaven? Is that he's going to be there. And his presence is amazing. More than anything in your life, 
God's presence is an all-encompassing blessing that touches every part of you. And there is nothing in your life, in your spirit, in your mind that he leaves untouched. Heaven is God's presence and there is nothing like it at all. When we experience God's presence, we experience unspeakable joy and the provision of heaven never, ever runs dry. Never runs dry. There is more than enough. So let me ask you, have you been tipping God or have you been tithing? Are you tipping God? Are you like, oh, that was a cute Sunday. Here's $10. Oh, I like the way you served me lately. So here's a fiver. Because that's not what we do. How can you, with a God who is so generous that he poured out his blood for you, how can you, with a God who gave up everything, who shut the doors of heaven and stepped down to earth and said, I'm going to stay here with you until I fix this thing. How can you say, I'm going to give you a tip when he's given you everything? Don't do that to him. He is worthy of your first and your best and he will take care of the rest. Stop tipping God. Number two. Number two, God multiplies what is given away. Now, don't go glossy-eyed and clenched up in your butt cheeks all right now, okay? Hold on. Stay with me. This ain't your mama's church. I know. But we're still speaking truth. So what happens? Matthew 14, 19 says that then he gave the bread and the fishes to the disciples. Okay? Right? And then what did the disciples do? They gave it away. The miracle didn't happen when Jesus blessed it. And said, thank you, God. The miracle happened when it left the disciples' hands time and time again. What is in your hand? And why aren't you giving it away? Because the blessing happens when you give it away. The disciples gave. And guess what? When they reached back in, oh my gosh, there was some more. Not s'mores like the campfire thing. No, no. Some more bread and some more fish. Look, they gave away over three Semite trucks for my Israeli friends. That was a bad joke that happened this morning because of my friend Jared. Three Semite trucks full of bread. Can you think about that for a second? They had a bag of holding and they are passing out bread upon bread upon bread. And the Israelites had three Semite trucks. 
Y'all go get that later. Don't email me. I am not anti-Semitic. It was a joke and it's funny. I love my Israel and Jewish brothers and sisters. All four Gospels repeat this story. All four underscore the miracle that happened when the bread left the disciples' hands when they gave it away. Come on. What are you sitting on? What are you holding back from God? It's counterintuitive, right? The Bible is absolutely not commonsensical. It doesn't make sense all the time. It's counterintuitive on so many levels. He says, you want to find your life? What? Lose it. You want to be the greatest of all? What? Serve everybody. The Bible doesn't always make sense in the worldly way that we think. But it's absolutely true that if you give, it will be given to you, pressed down, a good measure, shaken up and running over. That's a martini I like. Right? It's a good one. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Then what does it say? A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is the adventure. This is what you get to get in on. When you say yes to Jesus, man, there is an amazing moment and a powerful opportunity to cleanse your mind, body, spirit from sin. To step into a journey of sanctification where every day you grow in the likeness and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you step away from sin in your heart and your heart becomes empty to sin and becomes more filled with love. It's pretty cool. That's not the adventure being over though. Because the real adventure is that God invites you in on what he's doing. He says, hey, you know what? I can perform the miracle, but then I'm going to place it in your hand. And then you have the choice. What are you going to do? He said, I've shown you the way of grace. I've shown you how to be loving. I'm teaching you the ways to be generous. But it's not so that you can just sit there and use it all for yourself. I'm telling you, there is a better way. I'm telling you that because of what I have done, this is what you get to do. Generosity. Listen, we were not made to be reservoirs for things. We were made to be conduits of generosity. I can tell you all of this because there has been times in my life where I didn't have enough financially. I didn't have enough things. And I have had people show up time and again. I shared last week and I'll share it again. Alfie and I moved to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and we lost everything in the middle of moving. We had more debt than we could handle. He had a job, but because of mental illness, I couldn't work. And I was struggling. And he was struggling. I mean, this dude was busting his tail, working nonstop. But it wasn't going to help because we, there wasn't enough. Right? I was in that mindset. But can I tell you, when I looked at our debt, when we looked at our debt, 
and I thought, we're not going to make it. We're going to have to declare bankruptcy. Something's got to give. Now, I want to remind you that I had just been in a two-year of giving more. I actually had a year where I made the exact same amount of money that I'd given away. I'm not kidding. And I'm thinking, God, where are you? I gave away my entire year's salary. Where are you? Luckily, we had Alfie's salary, right, to live on the rest. Where are you? And I'm telling you that a check showed up in the mail that we didn't expect. And it pulled us out of bankruptcy. And not only were we able to come out, but we were able to keep going and launch a business. And now our business provides for families and helps our community. It's crazy what God can do. Come on, when you surrender and when you give and when you're faithful, he will meet you. And then you can take what he's put in your hand and turn around and build something that can be generous for other people. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning? Let's go. But here's the key verse. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you if you seek first. So why, why does God want us to be generous? Because it makes us like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus so bad. I want to love like Jesus and serve like Jesus and know the suffering of the Christ. I want to know him. And I'm going to pray for you right now. Would you just kind of center yourself in your spirit and focus your mind and your heart on Jesus right now? Jesus, we're a room full of people that you died for and you generously gave your life for. And we want to do what you did. So would you help us be radically generous today? Father, I pray that you would empower us through generosity to give like never before. God, I pray that you would give us a mind that thinks, okay, where do I see a need and what do I have in my hand? Where do I see the need? What do I have in my hand? God, help us to always be thinking, where's the need? What is in my hand? And Father, today, I pray that as we place something in the hands of our brothers and sisters in this room, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, and that we could together watch our faith grow. Because yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power and the glory forever and ever Amen. Now, I promised you last week I have a surprise for you, and I do. This Sunday is Reverse Giving Sunday. Typically, churches ask for offerings, and we do, and we do take up offerings. Most of it's online now. It's not like back in the day, which is nice because it makes it convenient. However, today is Reverse Giving Sunday. So coming to you now is an envelope. Each of you gets one envelope. And in that envelope is cash money. You can open it up, look for yourself, see that I'm not lying. This week, we want to empower you to be generous. If you're a visitor this week, you pick the right week to come. 
you picked the right week to come. Whatever is in your envelope, I have one request of you. Give it away. I don't care if it's a charity. I don't care if it's for somebody who has a need that you see. Give it away. But I want to challenge you because of what he did. This is what we do. Open your envelope. Look at how much is in your envelope. I dare you to match it. I dare you to match whatever's in your envelope. And guys, it's random. Whatever you get is what you get. It's random. And your assignment is to give it away. This is what we do. We as a church want to give you no excuses to not be generous this week. Is this crazy? Yes. But I want you to be radically generous and if this pours a little gasoline on your fire, then burn, baby, burn. <laughs> burn it up for Jesus. I want to hear where you give. So when you give, kind of keep it in your mind. And I want you to email us at info at hopedelmarva.com. If you forget, it's okay. It's on the website. Right, Alfie? Yeah, okay. I want to have better check. Um, so you email us. Tell us, I matched it and I gave. I matched it and I provided lunch. I matched it and I gave it to uh, an organization that's dear to me. Whatever you do, I want to know. I want to see what God does with your generosity. Don't keep it a secret on Reverse Giving Sunday. Because this is what he did. If this is your first Sunday here, um, we don't always hand out money. <laughs> but you can, we, you just keep coming back and you just never know what you're going to get here at Hope Church. Because we're hope dealers. If this is your first Sunday and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you that there's an opportunity today for you to become a part of we. We are a group of people who follow after Jesus and believe in the heart of Jesus. We call it salvation. We believe that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, and then he rose again, that we could live a new life, a life empowered by his Holy Spirit to do what he did, to live and love like he lived and loved. If you never said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, one that kind of changes you, huh, kind of, a lot changes you on the inside. This is your opportunity. I'm going to pray. And in just a moment, I want you to go. I know this is weird if this is your first time and you're like, I'm going to say yes to Jesus today. Take out your phone. I know, weird, right? Um, I'm going to pray with you. If you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to say yes to what he's about to do in your life, I want you to pray with me. Would you just close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment just to eliminate distraction. If this is your first time saying yes to Jesus, you can simply say something like this. Jesus, I, I didn't know <laughs> that you died for me and I, I didn't really know that I was a sinner, but I do right now. And I want a relationship where I can be like you, like Jesus. Would you come confirm it through your Holy Spirit and let me know that you are in me and that I get to be with you forever. I ask you to make a change in my life that's marked and notable today.
In Jesus, I ask this because I need you and I choose you. If that's you this morning and you just prayed that prayer with me, remember I told you to take out your phone? All you have to do is scan the QR code on the screen right now. If you scan that QR code, that just lets us know and fill out the information that lets us know that you said yes today. And we just want to send you a text that just says, hey, welcome to the family. It's really that simple. It's really that easy. Or if that's a struggle for you, that's okay. QR codes can be complicated. You could just text, that's me. No punctuation, okay? Because it throws people off and it will autocorrect on you. Text, that's me to 94,000. And maybe for you today, you've had a relationship with Jesus in the past and you're like, yeah, yeah, we're cool. But you've been slipping. You know, when you slip in, then you be tripping. Maybe you need to re-up your commitment to Jesus today. Maybe you need to say, you know what, I, I need to make a recommitment. I had a relationship, but I'm, I'm, I kind of left. I went somewhere else. I want to pray with you too. So would you close your eyes? Would you pray with me? Father, I'm back. Today I declare I'm back. I'm back in relationship with you, Jesus. I'm going to pursue reading my Bible and praying daily and getting back in with you. I want to be in a relationship where I love and live like you. I'm back. I'm back. If that's you, you can scan this QR code, different one, new one. And I will also text you this week. We'll give you a text and let you know that we are in it with you and for you. Or you can text I'm back to 94,000, especially those of you who are listening on podcasts. You can do that too. And we will connect with you. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.